Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. I have a pretty uh, simple, straightforward message. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy. Uh, it's just good, practical Christianity. And, uh, and I would just encourage you just to open up your heart and let God talk to you. Amen? So uh, what I want to do to kind of get us off and running, I want to read a handful of verses. Uh, more than likely, if you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, you've heard uh, one, if not all of these verses. But I want to read five to you really quick, just so I can prove a point, and then we'll take off. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. It simply says this. It says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Hebrews 11 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Hebrews 1 says, By his almighty word he holds the universe together. Psalm 107 says, He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Isaiah 55, the last one says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Listen, as we can see, the one thing that all of these verses have in common is simply this, is that they each speak directly to the power of God's spoken word. In other words, these verses show us that every time God speaks, something happens. And literally, that every time God speaks, it matters. Can we all agree on that? Amen. So, but please listen to the point I want to make today. Why I honestly believe that most of us in this room understand the power of God's word. In other words, we respect, we honor that when God speaks, man, there's significance to it. But, But here's the thing. I'm not sure if we understand the power of our words. Meaning that we have little trouble in seeing the weight and the magnitude and the significance and the value of God's word. But we struggle and underestimate and devalue the significance of our words when we speak. In other words, we are unsure if our words matter in the grand scheme of things. So just kind of right off top, I want us to ask ourselves a question. Uh, Have you ever considered the power of your own words? Have you considered the power of your own voice? In other words, have you ever sat back and thought about when I speak in in this area or that area or that area? Man, do my words matter? See, I just simply think this, that that if we don't understand the magnitude, the power of our words, then we're going to miss out on a lot of what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? So what I want to do real quick is I want to talk about where our words matter and why using them wisely is so important. So the first area, if you're taking notes of where our words matter, is simply this. I think we can all agree it's in prayer. See, in Daniel chapter 10, we discover that Daniel had been earnestly praying for 21 days. Three full weeks he'd been seeking God. And the Bible says on the 21st day that an angel appeared to Daniel in a vision. And when this happened, uh, Daniel actually said that he fell on his face as if he was asleep. In other words, the power of God hit him. And he went out and he was laying in the dirt, right? And then it says, then suddenly an angel came and touched him and he began to physically tremble. And then it says this in verse 11. It says, and he, the angel, 
angel said to me, O Daniel, mighty man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. It says, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand. From the first day you set your heart to pray and to humble yourself before God. Watch these next two words. Your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Gang, if we realize they're not the most powerful words that we will ever utter out of our mouth are our prayers. See, when we pray, not only does the Bible say that we draw near to the throne of grace, but God assures us that when we pray according to His word, according to His will, that He hears us. Not only does He hear us, but He'll begin to move on our behalf. Therefore, I believe that every one of us in this room, if we're right with God, we should have confidence that our words matter when we pray. Amen? So here's the thing, though. Once again, going back to the point that I'm trying to show even though I know it's real easy for us to say amen and yes, hallelujah, that we know that's right and we know it's true, but the reality is, is how often do we find ourselves underestimating our prayers? See, to this point, years ago, uh, I, I read this story about a pastor who uh, basically asked his church to pray uh, that, that God would come and shut down a bar that was in their town. So, in response to what he did, he said on Sunday morning, he said, hey guys, I want us to gather, I want us to pray. So in that following week, man, everybody gathered, they had a prayer meeting, and they began to pray that God would basically get rid of this bar in their neighborhood. And the story says a few weeks later, lightning struck the bar, and it literally burnt to the ground. Now, here's what's so wild. As news began to spread throughout the town of what happened, the bar owner heard through the grapevine about the church's prayer meeting, to which he promptly decided to actually sue the church. Now, when the court date finally arrived, the bar owner uh, got up before the judge and he passionately argued, basically, that God struck his bar with lightning because the church members had prayed. But when it came time for the pastor to stand before the judge, he backtracked and he tried to brush off all the accusations. And in doing so, what he did was, is he admitted that, yes, the church had prayed, but he confessed that no one in the congregation really believed God was going to do anything. So after hearing both sides of the argument, the judge leaned back in his chair and with a mix of amusement and a mix of perplexity on his face, he, he finally said this. He finally said, I can't believe what I'm hearing right in front of me is a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, I don't know if that story is true or not, right? But... But the, the lesson uh, still holds, and it's this, is that there's plenty of good-hearted Christians like that pastor who believe in God, but they're still uncertain if there's power in their prayers. In other words, they, they continually find themselves stuck between two opinions. And I'm sure you found yourself here before. I found myself here before. And it's simply this, is that we're stuck between wanting to see God move, but struggling if God actually hears our words or not. Anybody ever been there? So, listen, we find a very familiar passage of Scripture to this in Acts chapter 12. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, if you go read it, you find this. You find that Herod uh, arrested Peter for preaching the gospel. He threw him in jail. He assigned 16 guards basically to watch over him until he could kill him. Uh, but the Bible says that, uh, basically as that was happening, that the believers in that town decided to do something. And what they decided to do is they called together a prayer meeting like that church we just read about, right? But instead, these guys, they began to constantly and earnestly pray for Peter. Now, the story says this. It says that, uh, says that while they prayed, God sent an angel to supernaturally break Peter out of prison. 
In other words, the Bible says that, uh, that, that literally Peter was asleep, and it says the angel walked in, and he, and he poked him in the shoulder, said, hey, man, it's time to get up. And it says that he, when he stood up, his chains fell off, and the prison door opened up, and he began to follow the angel, and he walked past all of those 16 guards and all the other guards that were about the prison, completely unseen, no one even noticed him. He walked up to the gate of the prison, and the, and the door opened, the gate opened, and he walked right out scot-free. Pretty good day, Right? So here's the funny part, though, is, is it goes on to say that after Peter was free, he went to the house where everyone was praying for him. But, but watch what happened when he arrived. It says in verse 13, it says that Peter knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. It says when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone in the prayer meeting, Peter's standing at the door, right? She was freaking out. But listen what the prayer warrior said to Rhoda. You're out of your mind. Girl, you're crazy. In other words, they didn't believe her. It's what the Bible is saying. But, but even more to our point that I'm trying to make today is they didn't believe their own prayers. Right? It wasn't that they just didn't believe. That they literally believed that as they were praying that, 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 that their words weren't going to reach the ears of God and that their words weren't going to really make a difference in Peter's situation. Now... I understand it can be easy for us to laugh at that pastor, and it can be easy for us to laugh at, at these guys and think, man, they're crazy. But, but I want us to think about something for a moment. Like, how many times have we asked God in our own life to give us clarity, uh, but then we turn around and we tell people, man, I just can't hear God speak? Like, how many times have we asked God to restore relationship, but then we, we run off and, and we just begin to tell everybody how much that person hurt us? Like how often we ask God to provide for us, and then we turn around to our spouse, and we say, I just don't know how we're going to pay all these bills. Like How many times we ask God to heal our body, but then we get on the phone, and we tell our friends, well, I guess I'm just going to have to learn how to live with this for the rest of my life. Like How many times we ask God to intervene in a miraculous, supernatural way, but then we tell ourselves, I just don't know if this is ever going to come to an end. What happens is, guys, is this, is, is we pray one thing and then uh, out of the abundance of our heart comes what we really have faith in, right? And so listen, I don't know about where you guys are from, but where I'm from, we call that talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? And, and, and listen, I just think when, when we do that, it's no wonder we, we can't figure out why more of our prayers aren't getting answered. Yep. Listen, does the Bible not say in James 1, does it not say, for let not that man, that kind of guy we're talking about, not let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. He prays one thing and says another thing and doesn't get what he thinks he should get. So Jesus said these really powerful words in Mark chapter 11. This was after he spoke to the fig tree and it died. He, he turned and he looked at his disciples and he said this, basically, you will have what you say. You will have what you say. Now, the point that I want to maybe just kind of throw out there to you in this moment is this, is if you stop long enough and actually begin to evaluate your life, you will find that, that your words are basically uh, a culmination, if you will, uh, of the words that you declare for the good and for the bad. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. This is great. Okay? So, once again, while I'm sure most of us in this room 
understand the power of God's word, I'm not sure if we understand the power of our words. Meaning, once again, that we know God can answer prayer, that he'll answer David's prayer, or answer Brian's prayer, but, but we're not really sure. Like, we have this tendency to struggle and underestimate and devalue the significance of our prayers. Will God answer our prayers? It's fine he'll do that, but will he do it for me? Jerry, oh, man, he's having these incredible encounters, but I'm just a little old me. Right? So if I could just encourage you a minute before we move to the next point. If we could just like read Genesis to Revelation and go throughout history, we would find that when there's men and women of God who are confident in their words, that they know their words matter before the Lord, you would find that every time you find one of those people who believe what the Bible says, heaven notices and miracles happen. Every single time. And so what we need to do is we just need to start taking, uh, based on evaluation, we need to pay attention and go, okay, the words that I'm praying and the words I'm saying, are they in agreement? Do they match up? Because the goal would be that they would match up because that's faith. Amen? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, your words matter. (laughs) Second area is this, and this is kind of a no-brainer, but our words matter in the lives of others. Like, like, really, if there's anything that I want to hear today, even though I believe in the first point and I believe in the last point, like, lately, I've just, all these things we've been talking about family, I wish we would understand this point, that our words matter in the lives of others, right? That our words, if we believe it or not, man, have a significant amount of influence in the hearts and minds of the people we talk to. Now, that influence, as we've been talking about, can be positive or it can be negative, that's why the Bible says this, very familiar verses, both of them too. Proverbs 18 says this, the tongue has power, has the power of life and what? Death, right? James 3, 8 through 10 says this. In fact, I'd encourage you to go read all of James chapter 3. But it says the tongue is restless, it's undisciplined and evil, full of deadly poison. Aren't you encouraged? Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Let me pause right there. Let me paint it for you like this. How many times have you been on your way to church and had a fight with your spouse, and then you come in and be like, oh, Jesus. Mm. Goodness of God. Mm. That's what it's talking about, right? Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses our husband and wife. Amen? All right, it says in verse 10, it says, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So with those verses in mind, make no mistake about it, that every time you open your mouth, you either have the ability to do good or to do harm to the individual you're speaking to. That you can have that moment, it can be positive, it can be negative, it can be full of life, it can be full of death, it can be full of blessing, or it can be full of cursing. It is up to you. Now, concerning the negative words... uh, As I was studying, I was just reminded of how often I heard uh, these words while I was growing up. Typically, uh, uh, basically it happened when I was in elementary school. I would hear it, you know, on the playground, say some kid was trying to bully or dog another kid, or maybe we were in the lunch line, whatever. But, But you would hear these words from the kid that was trying to defend himself. He would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm here to tell you if you've made it past junior high, then you know that statement's a lie, right? And, and because, I'm saying it this way, because no adult in there, at least at a halfway of intelligent adult, would never say those words. And the reason is, is because our life experience tells us that words have the ability to cause more damage and more pain and more hurt than any stick or rock ever could. 
Once again, it tells us that negative words matter. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know if I believe that, I just encourage you to go all the way back to your childhood, remember some of the things that were spoken over you, and remember now that you're 30, 40, 50, 60, and you still struggle with those words. Negative words matter. So listen, we need to ask ourselves, how often do we, not other people, but do we use our words to blame and point the finger, to manipulate and control? If I could highlight one of them, it would be to manipulate, to get our own way, right? To demand our own way, to force our opinion on someone else. How often do we use negative words to punish someone verbally, place judgment, condemnation, shame, and guilt? How often do we use negative words to express our anger, tear down, or belittle? How often do we embarrass and humiliate and make fun of someone? How often do we say sarcastic? remarks at another person's expense or lie and gossip or just be rude cold and uncaring and ultimately uh, you know how often do we intentionally hurt people see that's what negative words do Gang, if, if we have come to the place where we are speaking those sort of negative words and we think it's no big deal, then we are, as James said, we are undisciplined in, in our words and we are full of deadly poison can I get a witness? so if you know anything about poison, I'll just make this really quick. Obviously, for, for poison, most of the time, with most of them to harm it, you got to ingest it. In other words, you got to swallow it. But what happens when someone swallows poison, what takes place scientifically is it begins to uh, corrode, rot. It begins to wreak havoc, destruction, whatever word you want to use, on the uh, in, internal organs of an individual, on their insides. And the, the point that I think James is trying to make to us is this, is that when we speak those kind of negative words to people, that it it just doesn't hit them on the outside, but it hits them in the heart. It hits them in the mind. It goes on the inside, and it begins to wreak havoc on the inside of them. Now, what happens is in those moments, we tend to blow it off. We think we're cute. We think we're clever. We think we're funny. We think we're witty. We think we're right. We think we're winning the argument, but Jesus says it's causing damage, and we need to have his view and not our view. See, I believe what the Apostle Paul said, that we need to take it hard. He said this in Ephesians 4. He says, you must let no unwholesome, that word unwholesome means putrid, no unwholesome or putrid or harmful, poison-filled word come out of your mouth. Do y'all realize that he didn't make an exception anywhere? In other words, he didn't say if you're having a bad day, if you're tired, if it's that time of the month, say if you're awake. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say, you know, if, if your boss yelled at you. He didn't, he didn't give any excuses there. He just said, at all times, let none of that come out of your mouth, right? And on the flip side, what he wants to do, he says, but only. So in other words, it removes all of that, that stuff, and this is the only way we're supposed to communicate as believers. We're supposed to say what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it would give grace to those who hear. So I believe this means that when we choose, once again, not to speak negative words, but to speak positive words, we'll find ourselves saying these kind of words to people. We'd find ourselves saying words that are comforting, that are exhorting, that are encouraging, that build people up. People up. It would be words that express mercy and grace, love and forgiveness, gentleness and kindness. It would be teaching and instructing, equipping and power to be in this. So we're speaking life and hope. We're speaking words that give compassion and empathy. And ultimately, what is the goal? Is we are trying our best to demonstrate and reflect the heart of God. You, you do understand you're a walking billboard for the gospel, yes? We either deny Jesus or we're proclaiming Jesus in that. So, in fact, I'm not, I'm not real sure if Paul could have summed it up better the way he said it in Ephesians 4 verse 32. 
He said, instead, in other words, instead of talking all that negative garbage, instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If, if I could just ask you to highlight a word in that, it would be simply the word kind. Be kind to one another. I think Jesus is so kind, right? Yes? So, so maybe we need to demonstrate and live like him. And then it says this in Proverbs 12. I know I read it last week, but it's so good we'll read it again. It says, some people make cutting remarks. That's the negative stuff. But the words of the wise bring healing. Do you want to be wise or do you want to be dumb? <laughs> Amen. Some of you unsure. Question. Here we go. All right. So here's a question for you. Really simple. How do you want to use your words? How do you want to use your words? Do you want to use them for the devil or do you want to use them for God? Do you want to bring death or do you want to bring life? Because once again, whichever one you choose, you can rest assured it will make a difference in someone's life. Those words that you can't, can't get back, they do make a difference. Why? Because once again, negative or positive words matter. Let me give you three things real quick to kind of add to this that I think that if we want to be a person that gives life and not gives death, then we need to find ourselves creating these kind of habits. We need to practice these three things. The first one is this. It's simply self-control. It's self-control. In, in my opinion, sometimes self-control can get lost in the shuffle when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? We, it's there at the end, and we kind of forget about it. But the reality is, is that, is that self-control is one of the primary things that separates an immature believer from a mature believer. Yes? Especially when it comes to the topic of the words of our mouths. A, an, an immature believer, they just say whatever comes to mind. A, a, an immature believer. But a mature believer, they're going to be very calculated and intentional in the words that they say. So here's a question for you. Have you guys by chance ever heard that old saying that, that you need to think before you speak? Like if you have kids, you've probably said that a thousand times. So um, I just think this, whoever came up with that saying, what they were talking about was they were talking about you and I having enough wisdom to practice self-control. And it's in that self-control that it kind of operates for you and I kind of like a filter. And that filter says this, basically that it allows us to have the necessary wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Self-control. Like, let me just give you an example. Have you ever had a, an opportunity to, to say something that you really want to say? You know those times, I know it probably doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me where my emotions kind of get going and I have this thought that's in my head that I know I should not say. Am I the only one? Okay, uh, there's this, I just, I, ah, if I could just tell him this, it'll make me feel so much better, right? In those times where the Holy Ghost goes, don't you do it. And, and so, listen, in that moment, it, it really determines or, or shows, should I say, if we have self-control or not. If we just say it because we want to, uh, you know, air our own opinions, our own emotions, that shows that we're immature and we lack self-control. But if we know how to bite our tongue, you go, you know what? Uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath. I'm going to say something that I'd rather not say, but I'm going to be positive. Then, then that means you got self-control. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, so listen to Proverbs 17, 27. It says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. 
So once again, uses words with restraint. When we have self-control, we practice restraint in the words that we say. Once again, we don't just go uh, babbling off everything that comes to our mind. The second habit we need to practice is this, and it's a powerful one. We need to practice silence. Do, Do you guys remember your mama telling you that if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all? Or is that just my mama? So, so listen, I, I think the Bible is really, really clear in this. And, if, you know, Mama may have not had known it, right? But she was, ta- she was literally connecting to a scripture in the Bible. And the Bible says this. It says that where there's many words, sin will follow. Where there's many words, sin will follow. And, and there's those times, once again, where you just know that uh, it, it could be this. It could be a, a positive conversation. It could be a negative conversation. I've had times where God's like, just stop. Just shut up and listen. Right, And I've had times where I've been in a heated conversation where I need to shut up for my own safety. right? And so, so listen, at, from an individual who has a tendency to, to spout out you know, careless, unguarded words with ease, I'm telling you, the Word of God is right what it says. Where there's many words, sin will follow. It may have been good the first five minutes, but if you keep going, you're going to sin. So sometimes you just need to put a sock in it. Yeah? Proverbs 21-23 says this, Watch your tongue... And keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Amen. Proverbs 13 says this. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Because nobody's going to kill them. That's why. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Come on, wave your hand at me if you know that's so true. Yeah. So, so it's this. God, would you please give us the grace to know when to keep quiet? Right? The third thing we need to practice is this. It's really simple. It's called kindness. And the reason I want to say this is because with all things in the kingdom of God, there's, there's reaping and sowing. Right? It's a principle of reaping and sowing. And the Bible says this in, in Proverbs 18.21. We'll read the rest of the verse. It says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 11 says this, On that note, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. So what is is Solomon saying here? He's simply saying this, that words have a boomerang effect. It's called reaping and sowing. And so if we want to reap kindness, we want people to be kind to us, then we need to be kind to them. But if we want people to be mean to us, we want to live with constant conflict and, and just issues and relational problems, then by all means, keep being a jerk. That's what he's saying. Be nice, people be nice. Be a butt, people will be a butt. Really simple. All right. So, so something that, that helps me, you know, the older I get, you know, hopefully I'm growing. Hopefully I'm getting smarter. And something that's helping me is simply this, that when I'm in a conversation with an individual, that I'll tell myself, Quentin, remember this person is created in the image of God. And then the tag question with that is you ask yourself, okay, Quentin, would you talk to God this way? If Jesus was standing in front of you, would you be saying the words you're saying? Now, that could go in a thousand different directions, but I think that's a pretty good safety net and filter for all of us if we practice it. Would I speak life to him or would I speak death to him? Would I speak blessing or would I speak cursing? Pretty good. The third area is simply this. It's the words that we say within ourselves. Please hear me on this. This may not seem that important, but the reality is if we don't find health and balance in this, I don't think we'll ever fully fulfill the will and the purpose of God for our lives. 
In other words, we can internally disqualify ourselves as easy as we can externally disqualify ourselves. In other words, you don't need some big sin to disqualify yourself from the the will of God. All it takes is, is you keep destroying yourself on the inside and you won't do anything good for Jesus. Are you hearing me? Okay. Listen, a couple of days ago, I, I, and this is what I want to share. A couple of days ago, I received a text uh, from an unknown number. have no clue who it was. The text simply said this. It said, sorry, I'm not sure if you're so-and-so, and they named their friend. And they said, I changed my number. Sorry to bother you. Kind of an odd text. But, but, but I just felt like, okay, how many times have I sent a text to someone and they didn't respond and, and I just hate being left hanging, right? And so anyways, I was like, I'm not going to leave this person hanging, so I'm going to text them back. So I just sent back, hey, sorry, you got the wrong number, okay? A few minutes later, they sent this text to me. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Uh, they said this in their text. They said, I'm sorry I entered the last digit wrong. I'm stupid and bothered you. Please forgive me. I have no clue how old this person is. I'm stupid and bothered you. Please forgive me. When I read those words, I'm stupid, man, it was like something just hit me in the gut. Like I was so grieved that this is what this person is saying about themselves to a, a total stranger. Like, I, I'm just going, if you, I'm thinking in my mind, if, if I think it was a girl, if she would say that to herself, then, you know, or let me say, if she would say that to me in a text, somebody she doesn't know, what is she saying to herself? Right, and so I just, I just was like, man, I, I can't leave that hanging out there. And so I just sent a text back. I just said, I'm not sure who you are, but I'm sure you're far from stupid. I, I was trying to disturb my, my inner Pastor Brian here. I, I said, uh, I'm positive you're an amazing person who has a great purpose, and I just tried to encourage them. And you know, I don't know about it, ten minutes later, something like that, maybe twenty. They sent back another text, basically thanking me for being polite, and they wanted to be my friend, and I just left it at that. <laughs> Um, I'm happily married. I just left it at that. All right. So anyways, but, but that, that brief Texas change got me thinking about really the golden rule. And, and we all know the golden rule. It says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, so if we can understand that golden rule isn't some just little nice thing to tell the kids, but it's actually a, a core commandment of our Christian faith. Like it means something. Like Jesus told us in Matthew 22 to love God and to love our neighbor in the same way we love ourselves. Is that not what the Bible says? So here's my, my thought on that. Let me say it this way. I think most people genuinely want to love God and they genuinely want to love people. But I think a lot of get, people get in trouble because we have a hard time loving ourselves. In other words, that's where the problem, that's where the hang up, that's where, that's where we struggle on the inside. And, and I think, obviously, that could be for a whole lot of reasons. In other words, why people struggle loving themselves. Uh, but, but here's the point that I want to make, and I hope you hear me today, is that you and I will never be able to speak life and will never be able to be kind to others if we don't feel good about ourselves first. In other words, if we don't know that we are loved by God, it's going to be very difficult to love other people. Yes? And, and so the reality is, is I think when I, when I sat back and I thought about this, the question I was wondering is this. We'll throw up the next question. It's like, would, would you dare tell another person some of the things you tell yourself? 
Like, like how many people sit and look in a mirror and they tell themselves internally, I'm stupid, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm that. And what they are, they're being their worst critic and they're highlighting all their weaknesses. And I just think it's pretty wild that, that we tell ourselves things that I would never come and look at a person and go, you're ugly, you're fat, you stink. You, like, I just wouldn't do that, and neither would you. But yet we'll, we'll happily berate ourselves that way. Yeah? So, so what happens is instead of actually encouraging ourselves and, and be affirming to ourselves, once again, we whisper words down on the inside of us that just tear us apart. And, and I'm not sure if we realize it or not, but when we do that, we're actually destroying our self-worth and our God-given identity. See, Solomon said this in Proverbs 15. He said, this is the Amplified, so it's a little wordy. It says, gentle words. What are gentle words? Speaking words that build up and encourage so gentle words, in other words, words that build up and encourage, man, they're a tree of life. That's what it produces. It produces life. It says, but a deceitful tongue, and it's, what's a deceitful tongue? Speaking words that overwhelm and depress, man, they crush the spirit. Let, let me give that to you in a really simple way. What, what Solomon is saying is that the Bible says loads of things that God thinks about us, right? In other words, here's God's thoughts about us. And when we speak things to ourselves that are contrary to that word, guess what? That is truth, and when I speak contrary, it is a lie. That is a deceitful tongue. And if I have a deceitful tongue, even on the inside of me, then basically I'm bringing destruction into my life. I'm inviting things like fear and insecurities. I'm inviting myself to walk in zero confidence and all those things that we struggle with. And what am I saying? Why am I saying all that? Because that's the stuff that keeps us from fulfilling God's will on our life. Amen? So, so, so I'm just saying this. So instead of us crushing ourselves with all this negative self-talk, why not begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord? Why not begin to say and to speak and to declare things that God says about us? I think if we do that, we'll find that our mind shifts and confidence will come, boldness will come, courage will come, and we'll, you know, are y'all hearing me? Okay? Amen. In short, words matter. All right, so let's talk about this. Why is it so important? Give me... Three more minutes. Why is it so important that you and I basically learn how to choose our words wisely and actually not just choose them wisely, but use them wisely? Why is that so important? If you can imagine with me for a moment that if we uh, actually had the ability to record every conversation that you've ever had. Okay? In other words, every word that you've ever spoken that we recorded it, that if it was through a phone call, through a text, through an email, social media post, literally every word that you've ever spoken to your spouse, every word you've ever spoken to your kids, aren't y'all loving this moment? That literally every word that you've ever said out of frustration or behind closed doors when you thought no one was listening, and, and even this, that every thought that you uh, have said about yourself, like what if we had the ability to record those moments, Right? And, and, and here's what's wild. In fact, let me, let me maybe pause there for a second. But, but in the Old Testament, uh, there's this prophet named Elisha. And, and Elisha began to frustrate a king. I think you say his name, Aram. I think I'm saying it right. But, but what happened was, is Aram, uh, he would basically get with his, his leaders of, his, of basically his army. And he'd say, okay, we're going to attack Israel this way. But what would happen is, is when he would go to, to do that, God would speak to Elisha. 
And then Elisha would tell the king of Israel, and then basically they would show up for the fight or the ambush, and Israel wasn't there. So this kept happening, and, the, and, the, and Aram got so frustrated. The enemy got so frustrated because he couldn't like, defeat Israel. And, and they finally said, okay, somebody in this room, these guys that I'm talking, these guys I'm getting advice from, somebody in this room is going telling the king of Israel. And the guy said, no, 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 that, king, that's not what's happening. There's this prophet named Elisha. He hears what's with whispered in the king's bedroom like he knows okay now obviously um you know then he tried to go and and, and arrest him or, or basically kill Elisha, and it didn't work anyways god showed up um but but here's here's the thing that's so interesting about that story is is clearly it wasn't elisha he didn't have the room wasn't bugged god was talking to him and and listen that's proof that god hears everything that we say Right, And so going back, that, that what happens if all of that stuff was recorded, how would you feel if we threw it up on the screen today? Like every word that you said, every moment you said, okay, let, okay let's watch Bill's life. Y'all ready? How many of you guys want to be the first to go on that list? Pick me, pick me, show my, no. Like, like if somebody said that was going to happen, I'm here to tell you, man, I feel like I could stand up underneath the carpet on that one. Like, that would be scary, it would be humiliating. Like, there's things that I have said in the flesh that I wouldn't want anybody to ever know. And i got to find I'm not the only one, right? So, so here's why we want to choose our words wisely. Because even though that may seem far-fetched, it's really not. Look at Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talking. He said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty, that means careless, useless, idle, thoughtless words, they have spoken. So why do we want to choose our words wisely? Because we're going to be judged according to them. You know, once again, I don't know who's going to see it, don't know who's going to hear it, but I do know this. According to the scripture, God's recording it. And if I think if that doesn't put a healthy fear of God in you about your words and the things you say, then I'm not sure what else will. Yeah? Yes, we have these words we speak in prayer, that to determine the effectiveness of our prayer. But we also have these words that we speak to people that we think we get away with. We think, well, I just, it's just that relationship, whatever. It's not the big deal. And there's these inner conversations that we have that we think really aren't that big of a deal either. But Jesus is saying, man, that one day we're going to stand before the King of Kings and we're going to have to say, yep, I said that. Yeah, that was me too. Yeah, that was me too. Wisdom would say, um, let's change. Let's be more aware, right? Because either we believe that verse or we don't. And, and the reality is, is the way we continue to choose to speak uh, determines if we believe that or not. It proves it. Yes? Amen. We'll end with that. Y'all stand to your feet, please. Thanks for hanging in with us today. Can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Lord, over the past couple of weeks, we have really just dove in some super practical pieces of what it means to walk with you. And uh, Lord, this is one of those. Uh, but Lord, it's, a, it's an important practical piece. And Father, all I'm asking, God, is for every one of us in this room that you would give us the wisdom to speak life and to speak blessings and just speak according to your word. God, we don't want to speak things that are of death. We don't want to speak things that are of cursing. God, we want to be in line with you. 
And, and so, Father, I'm asking God in this moment, literally, just with, with every person that's here, God, would you challenge us, God, with how we pray and what we say after. Will you challenge us today with the words that we speak to our loved ones and our friends and, and even beyond that? And God, would you challenge us today with even the words that we speak to ourselves? Holy Spirit, we're giving you full permission to, to interrupt us and to check us when we go to do something that, that doesn't please you in this area. God, we want to do what Paul says. God, we don't want any unwholesome words coming out of our mouth. God, we want to speak words that only build up and encourage. So, Father, I'm asking, um, God, maybe a weird request, but God, whatever it is that Barnabas had, God, that, that literally that they would call him the son of encouragement, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would make us that's kind of, those kind of people. God, that we'd be people who naturally and readily encourage others. God, that everywhere we go, that we would spill out life, we would spill out hope, we would spill out kindness, we would spill out your heart. God, that when we say that we, we, you know, we're supposed to be this, this billboard for you, we're supposed to reflect you, God, we really, we really understand that's what you want us to do. And, and Lord, uh, we want to do that not just uh, at church when everybody's looking and we think it's time to put on our church face, Lord, we want to do that even in our own homes when we think nobody's watching. Lord, we want to do that with our friends. We want to do that at work. Literally, Lord, we want to be people of integrity, that we're not divided, that we're the same person everywhere we go. So, Lord, any part of us that's fake and phony in this, Lord, we're simply asking, God, that you would uproot that piece out of us. And, God, help us be the real deal. Help us to live and to speak and to carry ourselves in a way that honors you. Jesus, thank you that you're transforming us. Thank you that you said in your word that, that, uh, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So Lord, would you come and we complete this part of us. Will you work in it? Will you tame our tongue? God, the Bible says that no man can tame the tongue, but it doesn't say that you can't. So God, would you come and would you tame our tongues, God, so it would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.